0: Mary, Emma, and Company by Ralph Moody, 1961 University of Nebraska Press, chapter 12, full speed ahead. Lord God, you are our mighty God, our creator who made everything in six days, and on the seventh you rested, and you gave us the Sabbath to be still and to rest, to make it holy and And, Lord, I do pray that tomorrow would be a day of wonderful rest, of uh, joining with the body on this earth and enjoying each other's company and hearing the word and receiving it uh, to nourish us. I pray, Lord, that uh, each of the kids and grandkids, as they grow older, would have awesome churches, wonderful churches, bodies to be connected to, uh, to gather for encouragement, fellowship, worship. Uh, the teaching and the training and for the good handling of the sacraments for discipline when everyone needs it in Jesus name Amen. Al and I had to move more than a ton of rubbish before we found the watcher shut off then we started fixing one of the coal bins to make it dustproof boarding the walls up to the ceiling and lining the inside with thick layers of newspaper before we had it half-finished, Mr. O'Brien, the plumber, came with three men, and the foreman of the furnace shop came with two. They were both sore at Mr. Perkins for making them pull their men off of the other jobs, and as Mr. O'Brien looked over the old pipes in the place for the set tubs, he grumbled, Of all the bull-headed men I ever seen, old man Perkins takes the cake. There's a week's worth, week's work here for ten men, and him demanding I get it done by tomorrow night. If it wasn't for him owning a dozen of these old traps and paying the bills so prompt, I'll tell him to go soak his head. Well, tis a pretty penny it be costing him in overtime, and no tears I'll be shedding for him neither. The men were still grumbling when Mother called me, gave me a slip with two addresses on it, and told me I'd better run along, right along and pick up the lady's laundry. It was lucky that Al Richardson went with me, and that we took his sled. We expected to pick up both baskets on one trip, but the First Lady gave us a big, as big a basketful as the sled would hold was heaped high with a sheet tucked in over the top and weighed about as much as al and i could carry the wind was still blowing snow and a hurricane the sled stuck in every big drift and the sheet that covered the basket kept whipping up like a sail then one of us had to chase shirts and underwear while the other kept the rest from blowing away good heavens alive mother said when we brought the basket into the kitchen our blessings do seem to be coming in large batches don't they the house running over with plumbers and furnace men and all this nice business coming in My, my, I hadn't expected anything like this. Have you brought both ladies' work in this one basket? No, ma'am, I told her. We didn't stop for Mrs. Humphreys. This one was all we had room for on the sled. My, my, mother said again. Why, here it is, quarter four already. It's time you were at the store and Al on his paper route. Oh, I feel badly about this. I told both ladies we'd pick up their work this afternoon and I'd hate terribly to go back, on my word. Gracie, do you suppose you and I could? No? "'I don't suppose anything of the kind,' Grace told her. "'But there's no reason that Philip and I can't go and get it. "'He'll have to be a regular delivery boy "'if Ralph keeps his job at the store, "'so he might as well get started on it now. "'I know he's large for his age,' Mother said. "'But ten is awful young to be out in a storm such as this "'and will grow colder as the afternoon wanes. "'Get your coat, Philip,' was all Grace said. "'But she didn't even need to say that. "'He was already bringing it from the closet.' Muriel's age was halfway between Philip's and mine, and though she was a shade taller than I, she was as delicate as a fawn. While Grace and Philip were pulling on their overshoes, Muriel stood watching them with a tear in each eye and her lower lip trembling. Mother noticed it, knelt down beside her, and asked, "What's the matter, darling?" That's all it took to to make that's all it took to make Muriel's tears spill over. "I want to go too," she cried. Hal takes care of Elizabeth and everybody does something to help us make our living but me. Mother took Muriel in her arms, hugged her up close and said, There, there, girlie, don't cry. You see, if things go as I, as we hope they will, Grace and I will be busy from morning till night and you will be the housekeeper who makes a home for us all. You know, dear, there is no woman in the world who has a more important task than making a home for those she loves. When I got to the store, I found that more than half our customers had ordered coal and i was so busy helping mr durant make the deliveries that i forgot all about grace and philip until i met them way up on washington street it was already after dark the wind was a lot colder than it had been in daylight and the snowdrifts had been growing deeper all day the basket they were trying to take home was even bigger than the one al and i took the sled had tipped over half the clothes had spilled out of the basket and grace was chasing the pieces that had blown away while philip held the rest down and tried to keep from crying with the cold That was one time when Grace showed that she was really glad to see me, and she didn't try to boss me a bit. We divided the load between the two sleds and tied them down with a rope I always carried when I delivered coal through snowdrifts. When Philip started walking ahead to try to path me next and Grace behind, we got along pretty well. Our house sounded like a boiler factory when Grace and I took in the second batch of laundry. I didn't have time to go down to the cellar because we still had a lot of orders to be delivered from the store. But I took, could hear pipes clanging together, and the sound of hammering in the furnace came up through the registers as if they'd been megaphones. Mother was busy at the stove and stopped only long enough to tell me, We're going to feed them in right here so they won't have to lose time in going home to supper. And they're going to stay till the furnace is all mended and the pipes replaced in the cellar room. The furnace men have promised to start our fire for us and show us how to control the drafts, bring our load of coal, and show us how. Uh, but, our load of coal hasn't been delivered, so you'll have to bring two bags when you come from work. It was nearly eight o'clock before we finished work at the store, and I took our coal home when I got there. Mother and Grace and Philip were dodging around between plumbers and furnacemen cleaning the cellar. Hal and Elizabeth had gone to bed, and Muriel was keeping my supper lot hot. She had a big apron tied way up under her armpits and was bustling around the kitchen as if she were getting ready to feed harvest hands. If I'd eaten all the supper she dished out me for me, I'd have burst. It took Philip and me all the rest of the evening just to lug the junk and ashes out of the cellar and pile it in the backyard. While Mother and Grace scrubbed the walls and ceiling, between 10 and 11, the furnace men finished their job and built a fire. It burned in good shape and no smoke went up through the registers, but an awful lot of heat came out into the cellar. The old foreman showed me how to set the drafts and dampers. There, Then he stood looking at the furnace and shaking his head. Lady, he told Mother, we did the best we could for you, but you might but you might about as leave try to heat this big house with a hot rock. I calculate this furnace is just about as old as what i be, and them days, they didn't know nothing about insulation. It'll eat fuel like a cow eats clover if you try to heat them rooms in the attic. And if you keep the ground floor comfortable, this cellar's going to be hotter than Tophet. Was I you? I'd get me an ash sifter, and at night I'd bank my fire deep within cinders. There's no profit in leaving the fire burn out, and cinders will save you a heap of coal. He turned to me and said, pick out all the dead ones. "'Sonny, so you don't get clinkers.' "'Then he tipped his cap to mother and said, "'Good luck to you, lady. "'I wished I was, there was more I could do to help you, but there ain't.' "'By midnight, Mr. Kennedy and his men "'had replaced all the water pipes as far as the laundry room. "'Philip and I had carried out all the rubbish, "'and Mother and Grace had the cellar scrubbed spick and span. "'It was after one o'clock before we'd had all, all had baths and gone to bed. "'The next morning, the storm had let up enough "'that the snow plows were out clearing the sidewalks before daylight.' but the temperature was way down below zero. Mother had me put up lots of clotheslines in the cellar, then bring two more bags of coal as soon as the store opened. The foreman had used a bag and a half when he built the fire the night before, but all that was left was a red lump the size of a quart dipper. When I came home for lunch, our kitchen was dripping with steam, and Mother was washing clothes at a pair of tubs set up on chairs. I'd gone down to watch the plumbers connect our new soapstone tubs when Grace called to me from the cellar. Don't stand there watching like a ninny. Come help me get these clotheslines tightened up before half this stuff is dragging on the floor. Our cellar looked like a sail loft when I'd been when I went back there. I'd put up ten lines before I went to work, and nearly every one of them was hung solid with sheets and pillowcases and towels. Fine laundry. Gris <laughs> sniffed. This stuff ought to have gone to the wet wash. Mother's breaking her back up there, and at two cents a piece, the money we get out of this stuff won't pay for the coal it takes to dry it. Well, the washings weren't all sheets and pillowcases, I told her. I chased shirts and drawers enough to dress half the people in Medford. (laughs) Under shirts and drawers. How are we going to make a living on those at two cents a piece and all the stuff we could make any money on so fancy that it'll take forever and ever to do it up? Shirtwaists with so many jabbits on them that they'd make a woman look like a powder pigeon. And every man's shirt with a stiff bosom and 40 dozen little bits of pleats. They must think Mother's a Chinaman. If there aren't at least four dozen stiff collars and cuffs in the mess, I'll eat it. And Mother doesn't know any more about doing them up than you do. They had a special department for them in the laundry where she worked. Get hold of this line and help me pull it up. Or we'll have to wash this stuff all over again. Grace was still spluttering when we went up to the kitchen, but Mother stopped her. Now, Gracie, she said, we can only make this task harder for ourselves if we let it annoy us. I should have made it clear to the ladies that we could handle only their nicest garments, but I evidently failed to do so. Unless we can accept our own mistakes in good nature, we are not yet ready to go into business for ourselves. Muriel, could you make a pot of hot chocolate and some sandwiches so Gracie and I won't have to stop? You children must, mustn't be late for school. The stiff collars and cuffs worried mother a lot more than the number of sheets and pillowcases in those first two baskets of laundry. When I came home from work that evening, our kitchen was hotter than the 4th of July, the stove top was covered with flat irons, and Grace and Mother were busy at iron, ironing boards. Muriel had kept my supper hot, and as I ate it, I watched them. Grace was ironing <coughs> and folding sheets, and though she made the edges meet square and even, she was watching Mother, and Mother was having trouble. She spread a half-damp collar out on her ironing board and smoothed it with her fingers till there was hardly a wrinkle on it anywhere. Then she took her fresh iron from the stove, hissed it with a fingertip. Uh, with a finger moistened at the tip of her tongue and cautiously slipped it onto one end of the collar. The smooth white linen acted like about the way still water does when you toss a pebble into it. Little waves rose at the point of the iron and ran ahead of it as Mother pushed pushed carefully. As soon as they grew to more than tiny ripples, she took the iron off, stood on its heel, and smoothed the cloth again. Then she started all over, but as soon as the point of the iron reached the damp cloth, the ripples would begin to run. After Mother had made three or four tries, she turned the collar around and smoothed it out and started ironing from the other side, other end. The ripples still ran ahead at the point, and when she reached the part where she'd ironed it first, she left a little pleat between them. Hmm, she hummed as she looked down at it. There seems to be a little knack about it that I haven't quite caught on to. wonder how the Chinese laundrymen make them come out so smooth and shiny with a sharp, straight fold at the top. Hmm, I have an idea they must press them very lightly at first, and fold them over while they're partially damp. Mother tried three or four collars that way, but it didn't work every work every time the mark of the collar band showed through the outside. Then she tried ironing some of them out flat and stiff before she made the fold, but that didn't work either. Grace and I had stopped watching her when she finally sang out, There, there. I knew there must be some trick to it, and I just guess I've discovered it. She took the collar she just ironed by the buttonhole tabs, stood up, stood it up and drew in drew it into a circle. The back of the circle sagged inward as if it were tired, and the tips flared out like the eave corners on a Chinese roof. Mother looked at it sort of sorrowfully for a minute and hummed in the sweet by and by. Then she perked up and said, well, that's that. But I think I know what the trouble is. If I remember correctly, I've heard a man's stiff bosom shirt referred to as a boiled shirt. That must mean they used boiled starch to stiffen them, and I used cold starch on these. Well... Aren't we fortunate that we started on these collars instead of those stiff bosom shirts with their little pleats? Ralph, if you'll be real careful, you might iron a few towels while I'm making the boiled starch. Always test the iron with your finger before you start so as as to be sure it won't scorch. I'd like to make a good dent in this ironing before the evening's over. By midnight, I'd finish the towels, and Grace had done the sheets, pillowcases, and part of the underwear. But all the fancy shirtwaist ruffled things. Were yet to be done and mother was still working on her first collar. She must have made half a dozen batches of boiled starch but none of them worked right. Her last try was the best but it wasn't very good. That collar ironed smooth and it stood up all right but didn't have any shine to it. i just finished the last towel when mother held the dull looking collar up in her fingers shook her head and said it's beyond me. I'd give a cookie to know how the chinaman chinamen do them to make them come out smooth and glossy. "'Would you give me five dollars?' Asked Grace asked quickly. "'Gladly,' Mother answered. "'The success of our whole business might rest on our ability to do these in a professional manner.' "'She stood for a minute or two, studying the collar as she pinched her lip with a thumb and finger. "'Hmm,' she hums slowly. "'I wonder if it would be honest for us to send this first batch up to Sam Lee in the morning. "'If I spend any more time in experimenting, we'll never be able to finish the fancy work by Thursday. "'Now you children run right along to bed. It's past midnight already. "'And I suppose you don't need any rest?' grace asked i shall have plenty of time to rest after thursday mother told her now you children run along grace could be as stubborn as a donkey and sometimes she even tried it with mother instead of putting her iron back on the stove she reached into the basket for another piece of underwear and said i'll go to bed when you do gracie mother said she didn't say it loud but there was a tone about it that didn't allow for any any arguing Grace and I went to bed as soon as I banked the furnace for the night, but I don't think Mother went until 3 or 4 o'clock. Next morning, there were five or six shirtwaists ironed as neat as a pin and laid out on the dining room table. Man, let me say, this that sounds so hard. So, great job. Love you guys.